So we are on week two of a new series that we started last week called Bless. And it's a series that the covenant has put out and invited us to be a part of so that we can learn how to talk about evangelism in ways that are helpful and not scary. Like how many of us have the scary evangelism stories, right? Like the street preacher on the corner at a Taylor Swift concert where you're kind of like, ooh, that is not working for you at all. And I don't want that to work for me. I don't want to do that, right? And so evangelism for a lot of us has become a really scary word. When we think of it, we think of awkward street preachers, the guys that knock on your doors, and the guys in subways with the pamphlets, right? And we're just like, ooh, that feels weird and uncomfortable and awkward, and I'm not so sure I want to do that. And last week, we talked about how Jesus calls us to be people who make disciples. And a part of that is us going into the world and blessing other people so that they might come to know the same hope we have. And so last week, Chris covered the B of BLESS. It's an acronym. So the B of BLESS stands for begin with prayer, which means that whenever we talk about things like evangelism or reaching out to our community, we always want to begin with prayer to see where God might be calling us to move. The next one that we'll talk about today is the L, listen with care, and how important it is in a world that increasingly uh, doesn't listen for us to be a church and a people who listen really well to the community and the people around us. The E of bless stands with eat together, or stands for eat together, which means that we want to invite people to share meals. And if you want a pilot project to see how that's going to work, you can buy me lunch anytime. The S, (laughs) poor grad student, the S is serve with love. That whenever we go into the world, we want to serve the people around us in ways that make a difference. And the final S stands for share your story. And so throughout this five-week series, we're going to kind of unawkward, unweird evangelism. We're going to unpack what it looks like for us to do it in ways that are comfortable and normal for us instead of uncomfortable and abnormal. And we're going to unpack what it looks like for us to bless our community in the way that we treat it. So this week, we're diving into the L of bless, and it might have been my final sermon writing at 2 a.m., but pardon the dad joke, if we do this L well, it's going to turn into a major W in our lives. So we want to talk about listening with care. Emma's shaking her head at me. She's like, I thought I wasn't going to get any dad jokes today. Gotcha. So we are going to dive into what it looks like as a church for us to listen with care to the community around us. Now, listening in our family is sort of a funny thing. So my mom growing up had a hearing loss in her left ear, which usually just meant that as an extrovert, I walked on her right side so that I could keep talking the whole time, or on her left side if I wanted to say, well, I told you. I don't know, right? It also meant that we always got booths in restaurants because the acoustics are better. And it meant that there were a lot of times when we would have to explain what people said later that she thought she had heard that wasn't quite right. Now, the same thing would happen with commercials and TV shows, and there's a classic commercial from the 90s where one of our funniest stories happened. And so without further ado, here is the Old Navy commercial of the 90s. Like I said in first service, I kind of still miss my Old Navy Americana Fourth of July shirt, so this is a little bit of nostalgia for me. And here's one of the commercials that happened with one of our funniest hearing moments. It's a classic piece of 90s cinema. Old Navy. Old Navy making dog memes cool since the 90s. So in that classic piece of 90s cinema, my mom uh, was listening to it one day. And after it finished, she, she turned to my dad and she said, how terrible. And a part of it is like, well, yeah, drawstring cargo pants. There's a reason why those did not last very long. So she's like, how terrible. How terrible that they would call it that. That's, that's awful. My dad's like, well, what, what do you think they called it? And she says, old lady drawstring pants. 
that's a terrible name for it. You're not making any sales there, old lady. And we had to explain, no, no, it's old navy drawstring pants. But if we're honest, we don't have to be experiencing a hearing loss to not quite always listen well, right? We don't have to be experiencing a hearing loss to not quite listen to things really well. And I'm going to ask you guys to keep your eyes focused. Don't turn towards your neighbor, whether it's your spouse or your, your kids or your grandkids or your friends. Keep your eyes focused, right? How many of you guys have ever been in the middle of a conversation with somebody close to you and you realize about halfway through that they are not listening at all? That's why I asked you to keep your eyes focused because I don't want you guys looking. That's you, right? How many of you guys have ever, you know, 25 minutes passed and you realize like, oh, they didn't catch anything? Now, on the flip side, how many of you guys have ever been the person in the conversation where 25 minutes have passed and you're like, the last thing I heard you say was, how's your day? (laughs) And that's it, right? We all have moments where we miss what's going on in the world around us because it's getting harder and harder to listen. And as I prepped this message this week, like all good millennials do, I went and listened to some TED Talks on how to listen really well from the experts, right? from the experts, from the psychologists and and the people who study it. And one that I listened to in particular talked about how it's getting harder and harder for us to actually listen really well. And all of them across the board said that we are in a new era where legitimately our brains cannot process the amount of information that we take in when we listen at the same rate. And in particular, the man that had this, his name is Julian, he had this to say. He said, we hear or we we spend roughly 60% of our communication listening but we retain just 25% of what we hear. We spend 60% of our communication just listening, but we're retaining only 25%, which means that 75% of that conversation as soon as we walk away is lost. And all you guys are like, yep, amen. I've done that, right? Where you walk away and you just realize, like, I lost, like, everything from that conversation. Yeah, amen, right? (laughs) And he said, like I said, keep your eyes focused forward. Don't look at anyone next to you. But he said that part of the reason why this is happening is because the world is changing. And so one of the other TED Talks I listened to said that part of the fault is cell phones, which I feel like we can blame everything on cell phones now. They said part of the fault is that we now read more of our communication than we used to, that we used to have to pick up the phone and call and listen, and we don't anymore. And so our brains aren't used to listening anymore. And Julian, who studies sound and teaches businesses how to do it better, his theory was that, first of all, that we no longer have to listen with the same amount of accuracy that we once did. And a part of that is because we have Netflix and YouTube, and if we miss something, we just have to rewind and watch it again, right? So maybe we can go back to the 90s and blame VHS for starting that, right? So part of the problem is that we no longer have to listen with the same amount of accuracy. And so then when we're in conversations with real-life people, our brains are so used to being able to rewind and pick up what we lost that it's harder for us to actually listen in real time. The other theory that he had is that the world is just really noisy right now. That there's a lot going on in the world, whether it's noise from the television or noise as you're out in stores or in the mall, or whether it's just general noise of your stress from your day that you're carrying back home when you have conversations. He said the world is just noisy right now. And so it's harder and harder for our brains to listen. But I would say that in a world in which sound bites rule, and it's harder for us to listen over the noise, the ability for us as people of God to listen with care is perhaps one of the biggest blessings that we can give the world. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. What would it look like for us as a church and as people to actually listen with care to the world around us, to demonstrate that we care about what people are saying and to be able to talk with them in ways that help and impact their lives as it is now? 
So whether you're exploring your faith for the first time or whether you've been a Christian for a while and every day you're learning how to do it in a new way, there's one thing that we know to be true about God and it's that he is an excellent listener. That all throughout scripture in our own personal lives, we've experienced a God who really, truly, deeply listens to our cares and our concerns and our worries. These past few weeks at ECC Teen, we've been talking in middle school about how Jesus sets the ultimate example for our actions. That whenever we want to look at how we should act in certain ways, and particularly in middle school, we've been talking about the tough issues of our day. We've been talking about how do you hold power really well in a world that doesn't a lot of times. We've been talking uh, this Wednesday, we're going to talk about science. What do we do with science? How do we have healthy relationships? We've been talking a lot about some of these tough issues and how Jesus sets the ultimate example for our actions in these areas. That whenever we want to look at how to live our lives well in the world today, we look back to what Jesus did. You see, the church in Acts also got this really well. They looked at Jesus' life, and they looked at the post-resurrection activity, and they said there's something special about the way that this man has lived. There's something special about the invitation that we've had to experience God in the flesh, and we want to live in relationship with that. And because of that, they saw a world transformed. And so today, we're going to look at the book of Acts and look at what it looks like for people to follow the example of Jesus and the example of God in the early world. And we're going to look at what that has to teach us about how we listen with care in our world today. Today, specifically, we're looking at a story of a man named Philip. And Philip was one of the first seven men picked to serve the community around him. And in particular, he was picked to serve the widows of the community. And on this conversation, he meets a eunuch. And a eunuch were the people who ran the households. This eunuch in particular is from Ethiopia. And they took care of the royal households at that time. And this conversation that we're going to look at, it's unusual for a few reasons. The first is that these two men are very different. And so Philip is, is a Jewish convert to Christianity. And Philip has this experience with this eunuch who's from Ethiopia, who they assume was probably going to the temple to worship, maybe had some understanding of Judaism, but hadn't understood who Jesus was. So he's on his way home. The second reason why this conversation is, is sort of unusual is because it would be like somebody joining your car after a 13-hour drive to Disney where you haven't showered yet. You would be like, ooh, I don't want you in my car right now, right? And so this conversation is unusual because it shows that there's this level of concern that Philip walked into and the other reason why this conversation is so unique is because some commentaries say that this encounter that we're about to read might be the first example of a Gentile converting to Christianity. Might be the first time in all of scripture that it's mentioned that somebody who didn't come from a Jewish history met Jesus and converted to Christianity. So if you have your Bible with you today, I'm going to invite you to take it out and turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible with you at home, we would uh, love to send you home with one. And so at either exit, you'll find Bibles. Please take that as a free gift from us to you. So we're going to turn today to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And we're going to look at this unique conversation that has a lot to say for us as we learn how to listen with care. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, and who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. This passage has a lot to offer us when it comes with how to listen well. And I'm excited today to unpack some of the truth that God offers us here that we have an ability to incorporate into our lives starting today to impact how we listen with care to the world around us. And so starting at the beginning of the passage, we see this, and you can write this down on your note sheet. We see that God goes before us to prepare the way for us to be a blessing. It starts out by telling you that an angel of the Lord came to Philip, and he told Philip exactly where to go. And once he got there, that the Holy Spirit prompted him to stand next to the chariot. God set up a pathway in order for Philip to be an impactor in the situation. He went before him to clear and prepare a path for him to walk forward into the conversation that God was wanting him to engage in. So last week as we started the Blessed series, Chris talked about how important it is for us to begin with prayer whenever it comes to this topic. And specifically, Chris and our church looked at Joshua 1 through 10, where we see Joshua encountering a commander of the Lord's army who goes before them as they approach Jericho. And so likewise, in this passage, we see that the Lord actually goes before Joshua, that he knows the conversation, or the Lord goes before Philip, that he knows the conversation he wants Philip to be in, and he sets up a pathway in order for him to be in it. Now, how many of you guys have ever had those situations where the coincidence just seems a little too strange, right? A friend calls you at the exact moment that you needed to hear from someone. Or you call a friend and they say, you have no idea how much I needed this today. Or you turn on the radio or you, you come to church and you hear a sermon that just so happens to coincide exactly where your life is going right now. You see, and I would propose that those instances are more than mere coincidences, I propose that they're not just right time, right moment moments, but that they're actually evidence of a divine itinerary. That it's evidence of God going before us to prepare the way for us to be a blessing in order to communicate his blessing to the people around us. That sometimes those right time, right moment moments are actually evidence of a divine itinerary. And I think that if we're sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit here, right, if we're beginning with prayer and we're leading out of that, we're going to see more and more moments in which God has prepared a pathway for us to impact the world around us. We're going to run into more and more people who need to share their story or need to have a conversation. And it's going to be right moment, right time in situations. So these might be those moments when you feel prompted to call a friend. It might be an invitation for you to participate in a divine itinerary. Or it might be the moment when you're walking down to the mailbox at the same time that the neighbor you've been praying for is, right? And if anybody has ever walked down to the mailbox and noticed your neighbor's walking down to the mailbox, it's really easy to go like, oh, I'm going to fix the flowers first, let you get your mail and go back to your house, and then I'll go get mine, right? 
But perhaps that's an invitation to press into a divine itinerary that your paths are crossing at that moment for a purpose. Or maybe it's a moment when you walk into work and you notice that one of your coworkers looks stressed or frustrated and you have an opportunity to ask them how their day is going. Are we recognizing the ways that God is paving a pathway for us to walk into the blessing that he intends for us to be? I also think that when we listen with care, we listen for our invitation instead of planning our response. And so if you look at this passage again in verse 29, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah. And so he pulled out his Bible track, and he had his list of five reasons why you should follow Jesus. And he laid it out for him, and it went well, right? That's actually not what it says. Spoiler. It actually says in verse 29, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. You see, Philip simply listened to the eunuch and he saw an invitation for him to walk in the blessing that he was already prepared to be. He didn't have to plan out the right response at the right moment. He simply had to pay attention to the invitation to press in further to this conversation. In a lot of ways, this takes the pressure off of us when it comes to listening with care, when we realize that we don't have to have the perfect words. And if any of you guys are the plan out the phone conversation before I call and have it type of people, this takes the pressure off of us, too, to have the exact perfect words at the right moments. Instead, we can just listen for the invitation of what God is already calling us to do. Often our conversations, especially in the area of evangelism, leave us trying to plan our next response, right? Trying to plan the next thing we're going to say, the next uh, piece on the checkerboard that's going to move us closer. And instead, I wonder if we miss some of our invitations and some of our planning of our responses, if we miss the opportunity to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And just as Philip walked up and simply asked a question, sometimes there are invitations for us to press in further that don't come in the form of a planned response, but instead come in the form of us being sensitive to the way that the Holy Spirit is working in the conversation. And so how does Philip do this? How does Philip press into the invitation in the moment? All he does is simply ask the question, he comes upon the eunuch as the eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah, and his simple question to him is, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? He asks a question. So listening with care involves us asking the right questions at the right moments. Listening with care involves us asking the right questions at the right moments. So just as Philip asked the right question at the right moment, we are called to listen with care so that we can discern the next question that we might ask. People love to talk about what they're going through. People love to talk about their stories. And sometimes we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to have the right question at the right moment that allows them space to process and talk and discuss. And some of these questions might lead us to more questions in which we're able to share the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus. Because you see, people feel most cared about when you show interest in their lives. And so one thing that I know I've had to be extra intentional about in my life as an extrovert is to be able to actually press in with people into the questions of their lives, to ask more questions than I provide responses for, and to ask questions that lead to conversations about faith and hope, and the hope specifically that we have in Jesus. So if somebody's talking about how their day of work might be hard, a good question to ask might be, what keeps you grounded when things get stressful? That gives you an opportunity to talk about what keeps you grounded when things get stressful. If someone is talking about major illness or, or in, in situations in their family that have been difficult, you could ask, is it hard to find hope in the midst of this? 
ask questions that allow people to share their stories so that you can talk about your story and what Jesus is doing in your life. Ask questions that clarify, lead, and show that you care about the other person. You see, Philip's question of do you understand what you're reading allowed him to go one step further with the eunuch, one step further than if he would have perhaps just provided a response. Listening with care enables us to inject conversations with the hope of Jesus. And there's a difference here between injecting and interjecting. Interjecting makes things really awkward. <laughs> interjecting is when you walk up and, and, and you sort of have your canned response ready and you just toss it out there, right? And you hope it lands somewhere. That's interjecting, right? But injecting is what we already do in our everyday lives, what we're called to do, which is to be people who are so filled with the Spirit and so close to the heart of God that we just naturally talk about those things with other people. And so as we inject conversations with the hope of Jesus, it's more than making it awkward. It's actually allowing us to have conversations that are already filled with grace and the gospel. When Philip asked the eunuch if he understood what he was reading, it led to a conversation about the passage in Isaiah in which the eunuch asked, well, who is this passage talking about? Is this the writer talking about himself? Who is this? And it says that Philip was able to then explain, using that passage as a springboard, about who Jesus is in a way that transformed the eunuch's life. And so what he does is he injects the conversation with the hope of who Jesus is. He doesn't provide a simple answer, but he goes one step further and tells him the good news of Jesus. And so in our own conversations, we have opportunities to tell others about the good news that Jesus already offers us in the midst of our everyday lives. When we have conversations with neighbors who are lonely, we have, a conversation, we have an opportunity to talk about the good news of Jesus and the community that he offers. When we have conversations with people who are tired and hopeless, we are enabled to share our own stories of healing and hope. And when we have conversations with people who are confused about what to believe or what to choose, we have an opportunity to talk about why we believe in Jesus and why we choose to follow him. And so if we're mindful for the opportunities that we have, we don't have to interject, but we can just inject conversations with the hope of what Jesus is already doing in our lives and in the lives of people around us. The final thing we see in this passage is that Philip and the eunuch approach a body of water. And the eunuch turns to him and he says, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, it's interesting because some commentaries say that perhaps this was said because the eunuch had already been told by others that he couldn't be baptized because of his status. And so perhaps he was hurt and burned out. And so he says, well, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Maybe expecting a rejection from Philip too. And instead, Philip responds with an action. Listening with care will often result in action items. Listening with care will often result in action items. It'll result in future conversations, invitations, or demonstrations of love that have come up in your conversation that are important for the next step further in listening with care. And so what Philip does is when he walks up uh, and has this conversation, when he listens to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, when he injects the conversation with Jesus, it eventually results in an action item that transforms the life of the eunuch and possibly the life of everyone else that he went home to. Because it says that he walked away rejoicing. He walked away joyful about what had happened. And joyful people are contagious, and perhaps he went back to Ethiopia. And perhaps there were more lives transformed. And so listening with care will often result in action items that transform people's lives. So when we listen with care, we're mindful for what those follow-up items might be, what our next step might be in caring for this person. So did you guys know that counselors say that the loneliest time after a loss is six weeks after the funeral? 
Because six weeks after the funeral is often when the cards have stopped coming and the calls have stopped coming. And it's really difficult for people who are going through loss. And so perhaps an action item for us might be that when we hear of situations like that, we reach out right away, but we put a reminder in our calendar to reach out in six more weeks too. To be intentional about following up with people and caring for the people in our community. And maybe there's a name that came to your mind of somebody even now that you're thinking, I should follow up with them and check in and see how they're doing. And that involves being intentional because we don't just do it on our own. And a lot of us are sort of like, I don't want to reach out right away, right? I don't want to maybe reopen old wounds. But it's important for us to be people who create action items of what our next steps are in discipling other people. This also causes future conversations to occur. And so perhaps in your community, one of the people that you wrote down uh, that you're praying for, somebody that you're thinking of right now, maybe they, they're dealing with anxiety or they're trying to raise a teenager and it's really, really hard. Perhaps that's an invitation to invite them to our summer series to talk about what it looks like for us as a church to come around and, and to figure out how to deal with anxiety in really healthy, God-honoring ways. For us to talk about the conversations with our teens in ways that lead us to more hope. We should expect that our conversations won't be one and done. We should expect that when we listen to care, we'll have follow-up items that we have to follow up on later. And so let's expect to add action items after our conversations. You see, the cool thing here, though, is that God has already shown us how to do this well. And through Jesus, we have a hope that it's possible to live the type of life in which we listen with care to the community around us in ways that transform and bless their daily lives. So all throughout these series, we, we will be giving you guys inserts in the bulletins that come from the Covenant Church. And this is a cool way for us to not only be reminded that this is a topic that the whole church is trying to figure out how to do well, our whole denomination is trying to figure out how to do well. And so last week, there was an insert, and if you missed last week's or if you want to grab an extra one, we have more at the Connect table, an insert that had two bookmarks. Now those two bookmarks, one was for you and one was to turn in to the black mailboxes. And it included space for you to write down the three to five people that you'll be praying for throughout these series. And I want you to know that last year, or last week, as we got some of those on Tuesday, the staff prayed for each of those people that you wrote down. And when we go to the annual conference meeting this summer in Minneapolis, we'll be bringing those cards, and every other Covenant church that's also doing these series, we'll be bringing those cards, and they'll be praying specifically over the people that you wrote down. And so you're not in this alone. And as you think about the three to five people in your life that you might want to be praying for, or having caring conversations for, or be inviting over for meals or serving, you're not in it alone. As a church, we're praying for it. As a denomination, we're praying for it as well. And this week, there's an insert that talks about listening with care. Listening with care. And it gives you space to write down three to five ways that you might start a conversation that could lead to a conversation about faith. Now, if you're anything like me, you may be extroverted, but you freeze in situations like that, right? You're just not sure what to say next. So this is a great way for you to unstick yourself from this conversation. See, when I was in college, uh, I was at InterVarsity one night, and they handed out a book on evangelism, which as a freshman, when you're already not the coolest person on campus, is a really fast way to start to feel like you're especially not the coolest person on campus. And so to be honest, that book went on the shelf next to all the dating books that I never read as a teenager, and I never opened it, <laughs> I never opened it until this past week as I was preparing for this message. 
You see, because nothing seemed more awkward to me in college than telling my sorority sisters about who Jesus was in an evangelism way because all I knew were street preachers and the people who knocked on your door. And I could imagine myself having to walk down my dorm and, like, knock on the door and be like, have you heard about Jesus? No? You want to hang out still on Friday night? No? Okay. (laughs) Right? Nothing seemed more awkward and uncomfortable. And so this past week, though, I decided to dig into it to see what it actually said. And there's this quote in it that I thought was really powerful. It said, when we move from generalities to real people, we're more likely to act than if we think about relationships on an abstract level. We're more likely to act than if we think about relationships on an abstract level. And so one of the cool things that those bookmarks in this week's insert helps you to do is to think about it on actual real people levels, not just abstract levels of I'm going to evangelize to my, to my coworkers and I don't know what that looks like and now I'm scared, right? Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite my neighbors over to dinner and I don't know what that looks like and so now I'm scared of that, right? But to actually think about what are the real people in my life that I can listen to with care? What are the real conversations that I could have? And one of the cool things is that forces us to be intentional about the way that we live our lives and centering our lives around blessing other people. And imagine, ECC, imagine if we were known in our community for being unusually good listeners. And imagine if we were known for being the type of people who listen well and ask good questions. Imagine the stories that you could hear. And imagine the stories that you could be a part of. Imagine the moments when you could point other people to what God is already doing in their lives. Imagine the transformative experiences that happen when we intentionally listen with care. And imagine if in all of this community, people knew that the people who went to ECC actually cared about them and cared about their lives, and that they wanted them to know this Jesus that they thought actually impacted the way that they lived, if they wanted them to also experience the same amount of hope and joy. And imagine if that was us as a church, that people just instinctively knew that because we followed Jesus, we lived our lives in a way that intentionally blessed the world around us. For the past year, I've been intentionally discipling a group of four undergraduate women at Bethel University. These women are a part of the new Bachelor of Arts to Master of Arts Ministry Scholars Program, and so they're impressive people in their own regard, but they're still your average college students. And throughout the year, we've met every other week just to listen. There's never any agenda. We meet for an hour and a half, and I always promise them we'll be done in an hour and a half. And I tell them that they can stay if they want to. And there's a few extroverts in the group, so sometimes we go longer. But our goal has just been to listen to each other's lives and to point out what God might be doing. So this past week, on Friday, we met for lunch in the dining center at Bethel University. And we caught up on our lives, and we talked about their summer plans, and we talked about what the end of the year is going to look like for us as a group. And we shared about finals and and about relationships and friendships and how they felt about going back home for the summer, how they felt about being juniors and seniors and, and potentially graduating and moving on into careers. And then at the end of the conversation, after listening, I asked them this question. I said, has there been anything in your life right now that's caused you to wonder about what God might be doing this summer or in the future or in your family or in your relationships? And the part of the question, the reason why I asked it was because I know my own story in this season. And I know that there have been moments where I've realized that I could be missing what God's doing in my life if I'm not intentional about paying attention to it. That there are moments when I go, oh, that's really weird. And then I have to wonder, is there more to that? Is this a divine itinerary that I'm potentially not paying attention to? 
And so I asked them this question just to get them thinking about it, that as they approach summer, are there ways that God is moving that they might not be quite listening to yet? And then there was silence, which as an extrovert is really, really uncomfortable. I mean, I almost quit a silent retreat after an hour once. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Give me my phone back. Let me out. I got to go, right? So it was uncomfortable. And so immediately, like, my extrovert brain was like, fill in the silence, tell them never mind. We're not going to hit that question, right? But instead, I just kept pressing into it. And so I gave a few examples of my own life. I said, you know, I, I've noticed this extra space and this extra time in this area of my life, and I'm wondering what God might be doing there. And so I'm kind of exploring to see what does that look like. And then there was silence again. And I was like, does anyone, you know, do you guys have any? And then we just sat there for a minute. And I just let the awkwardness happen. And they started going around the table and sharing stories of things that they didn't realize until that moment they were missing. Whether it was invitations or blessings that God had given them in the summer of jobs or relationships or housing situations that worked out that wouldn't have worked out unless it was for God's power. And we sat and we reflected on the things that we had been missing that God was doing in our lives. And we talked about what it looks like for us to do that in our communities, what it looks like for them to go home into communities of people who maybe don't know Jesus yet and leave space for people to figure out what God is doing in their lives in that moment. Now, I'm not saying that when you get to the mailbox, you hit your neighbor with that question and just be like, so tell me what God's been doing in your life, right? Don't make it awkward, right? Inject, not interject. But what does that look like in our lives for us to do that, for us to be intentional about asking people, I wonder if God might be doing something in that area. I heard you describe this family situation that's being healed. I wonder what God might be doing there. I heard you describe that, that you're going through some illness and some struggles. I wonder if there's hope at the end of all of that. What would it look like if we pointed people to what God is doing in the moments that they might be missing? For us to listen with care, to hear their stories, to inject it with the hope of who Jesus is, to ask the right questions at the right time in ways that transform their lives and the lives of those around them. And so imagine for a moment the stories that we would hear, the stories we would get to be a part of if we were people who listened with care to the world around us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are a God who listens to us. We thank you that you're a God that we can come to when we're stressed and tired and burned out and weary and when we're excited and we're happy and, and we're joyful and we're celebrating new things. God, we thank you that in the midst of all of those emotions, you're there listening. And I pray that as we go into our communities that you would be a God who leads us into spaces in which we can be a blessing. That just as you went before Joshua and went before Philip, God, go before us and prepare the way for us to have conversations with others in which we're able to point them to the things that you're doing in their lives. God, I pray that you would help us to become unstuck when it comes to evangelism, that you would help us to see that this is a natural rhythm of how we live our lives, just blessing the people around us. And God, I pray that as we head into our weeks, as we head into our homes and our workplaces and our schools, as we head to our sports teams and, and our robotics teams and everything else, God, help us to be the type of people who listen with care in an increasingly noisy world. In your name we pray, amen.